What is up? You're listening to the 3 and D podcast. It is draft day. We were recording the day before, but as you listen to this podcast, it is draft day. And the Grizzlies have made it even more exciting for us this year because they have moved up and may not be done moving up. We're going to talk about all the rumors, uh, some prospects that we love, and we've got more guests coming your way for this uh, draft special that we have going on. Joining me as always is Ben Hogan. Ben, it's here. It's finally here. It is still here, but it, it I wish I could just fast forward to when it actually starts because, man, there's been just so much going on. Uh, so many rumors. Are the Grizzlies moving up? Are they staying pad? they going to acquire some more first-rounders? they trading guys? I mean, there's so much going on. It seems like the Grizzlies are like the most active team or at least rumor-wise, as uh, as the draft day is approached. Yeah, so real quick, funny story. We um, Our kid starts his daycare that he's going to next week, which is just um, my best man, his wife. They got three kids. She's going to keep Levi for us. And um, we need to get over there to see them, to talk through some logistics as far as, um, you know, all that entails and, they invited us to come to dinner tomorrow or tonight, draft night. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I get off work at five, but y'all can come over before I get off and I'll cook and do do all that. And I was like, well, it just depends on what time on Thursday. And uh, they're like, yeah, well, what time's, what time's your son's birthday? And I was just like, seven o'clock, which, which is true. I'm not, I'm not lying. Seven o'clock <laughs> is his birthday or not his birthday, his, uh, his bedtime, his birthday's this upcoming month. Um, and um, so as long as we get out of there by 6.30 and get home, not only will we get our son in bed in, on time, we will be home in time to watch the draft. And I am lucky to be married to somebody who is excited to watch the draft as well. That's good because my wife my – my baby's bedtime is also 7 o'clock, but I don't think my wife really cares about the draft. She'll ask me afterwards, like, who's still on the Grizzlies? You know, she'll ask me that. <laughs> She kind of waits till the season starts, and then she picks her favorite. Uh, we went to the Grizzlies' first game last year when John Morant's first game. She immediately, uh, much to Joe Mullinax's chagrin, she picked Jay, uh, Jay Crowder as her favorite Grizzly at the time. She's I, like, he's the oldest player on the team too, so I can, I can, I can feel that, you know, because we're pretty sure my wife liked Jay Crowder too, so. They, they got the same kind of taste, uh, it looks like. And that's a good question that she asked. Who Who is still on the Grizzlies? Because that's what we can talk about. Like, we can jump in with the rumors um, that we heard. And I'll, I'll start with um, the Washington Wizards one. Uh, and all this one was is that there's a report that came out that the Wizards had mentioned players that they were interested in this, you know, this offseason. And, and it's kind of weird because some of the players aren't even free agents. Um, but right. two of the players on the list were – Grizzlies and it was Dylan Brooks and Justice Winslow and then Parker Fleming had to go and and put Twitter in a tizzy by saying oh you add their money together guess who that equals Bradley Beal obviously you're not getting Bradley Beal for Justice Winslow and Dylan Brooks Um, you're going to add a lot more to that and I don't think um, where we're at right now I'm not sure Bradley Beal is a swing the Grizzlies need to be taking Um, now if the Wizards want to talk pick 15 um we can talk but i i'm i loved the whole bill on bill movement but it seems like now's just not the time what do you think 
Um, actually, I like it. I, I, I wish they would trade for Bradley Beal, but that's I understand that you're gonna have to give a lot more than just Dylan Brooks and Justice Winslow. I mean, they may be liking those guys, but that doesn't mean that they're liking those two dudes for their superstar. So, I mean, I get that, and I don't know what all it would entail and the way the Grizzlies are moving up in the draft. I don't necessarily think they're looking to trade that 10 pick or they're not moving up in the draft to entice the Wizards to trade them Bradley Beal. They are moving up in the draft to try and get the player that they want. And as much as I would like to see Bradley Beal in a Grizzlies uniform next season, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, one note on what you said, though, somebody brought up a good point that the Eagles moved up twice um, and went and got Carson Wentz. So I think the Grizzlies are, are acquire, trying to acquire some more assets to get up even further in the draft. I don't know that they can get to three. Do they love Suggs at four? Um, the whole thing is there's a lot of smoke screens out there. Climbing works in secret. Have they talked to Suggs? Do they secretly covet him and what he can bring? We, we don't really know. Sticking with Dylan Brooks, though, another rumor that came out was that the New York Knicks were interested in um, Dylan Brooks and sent multiple offers that included a first-round pick plus more for Dylan Brooks. And I have a hard time believing that the, that the New York Knicks sent this year's first-round pick plus more for Dylan Brooks, and the Grizzlies said no. Yeah, I mean, we know the Knicks don't like first-round draft picks. I mean, they went how many years in a row without having a first-round draft pick? So that's not surprising. The fact that the Grizzlies, if this happened, the Grizzlies said no, that's what's surprising to me. I I think that uh, you have to listen if that's what's included, but I just don't see the Knicks giving – I mean, I see the Knicks giving away their first-round pick, but I know it's under a new regime when that was all happening, but, you know, some things don't change. Yeah, they got, what, two picks this year? They got theirs and Dallas's, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, I, they're going to, they're going to move, you know, all the rumors are saying that this is, this draft's going to be a lot of trades, perhaps the most ever um, big names on the move, you know, who, who knows um, the other rumor. I'll let you get the details on this one was the Brandon Clark rumors. Yeah. It just seems like he's out. He's available. Like I think it was uh Matt Moore, HP basketball on Twitter. Um, I think he put out there that he's hearing that Brandon Clark is being made available by the Grizzlies for, for trade. And my question is like, what's his value really on the trade market? Like we, we see his value probably higher than pretty much any other fan base, especially because we paid a lot of attention to him uh, in his rookie season. And we're like, eh, you know, he dropped off a little last season and the Grizzly fans aren't really worried about, whereas I think other fan bases might be, I think NBA front office is a little smarter than that. I think they realize what what's going on. They realize that he's a good player, but I don't know how much more he can grow. And that makes me wonder exactly what his uh, his market value is out there and what the Grizzlies are willing to take back if they are trying to shop him around. Yeah, and where I saw him linked was um, to Golden State at seven. So you, you give up Brandon Clark in 10 – and you'd, you'd come back with uh, Kevon Looney and seven. I I don't see why Golden State would want ten. Like, they've made it very clear they if they're going to trade the pick, it's because they don't want to pick, and they're getting the pieces that they need to, to win right now. Sure, Brandon Clark is a good piece for them to help win right now. Um, I saw somebody mock a trade that it was like Tyus, Grayson, and Kyle Anderson 
for Wiggins and pick seven. I think that makes a lot of sense for the Golden State Warriors. Like, you can get three quality NBA rotation players for the price of just Andrew Wiggins um, and, the, and that pick of a young player that wouldn't probably crack your rotation in a championship year. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but it, it, it's an interesting thought at that. Um, yeah, Clark's value, I think he – I think the teams know, like, last year's just a weird year. He had some injury. Um, it was a COVID year. They're going to look to his rookie year and be like, all right, this is the kind of player we, we can get. I think he still holds some decent value. Probably the – what, the fourth best value currently on the team behind um, Dylan Brooks' contract, Jaron Jackson Jr. and, and John ja Morant. Uh, he's probably right up there yeah. with, with DeAnthony Melton on on value. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this rumor, but I saw that there was – possibly a conversation of Eric Bledsoe and John Conchar to the Sacramento Kings for Buddy Heald. I don't like that. Um, we don't need another – I don't know. I just think that you can do more. I don't think they need Buddy Heald. I mean, I know that was kind of like – people were talking about him last year, but he takes a lot of shots. And he doesn't make a lot of shots. And – I just – you don't need a ball stopper in this team. I know Dylan you, – you would argue that Dylan Brooks is one. Yes, so, is. you don't need two ball stoppers on this team. But I, I just don't – I'm not for it. Buddy Hill is Dylan Brooks without the defense. Yeah, more or less, yes. Yeah. All right, so those are some of the rumors that have come out since our part one episode that came out on Tuesday. Uh, I'm sure several more are going to drop – as soon as we're done recording this podcast, I'm sure something's going to happen. Um, but we're going to move on. Um, and we're going to look at some targets um, for at the 10 spot for the Grizzlies. We kind of mentioned it a little bit uh, as a trade broke, but we've had some time to really think about it. Ben, we're going to assume that Cunningham, Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, and Scotty Barnes are all off the board for sure. So in that range, Kevin O'Connor has uh, Booknight, Kuminga, Mitchell, um, Singwin, Cam Thomas, Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner, Trey Murphy, Moses Moody, and then Corey Kispert is that, um, I guess six through 16 range in the draft. The smoke that's out there is that the Grizzlies are really tied to Josh Giddy and Franz Wagner. Do you believe it? Do you think it's a better fit? What are your thoughts on that 10th pick? Um, I mean, I kind of – I do believe it to a point. It seems like Wagner's a guy that the Grizzlies front office would love. And Giddy, I mean, I just don't see necessarily see the fit. I don't understand why you would bring him in. He's – he's you know, he can – it's a point forward, I guess you could say. He can handle the ball, but he's still got work to do. Wagner, you can put him in. He can plug and play. You can put him in the lineup immediately. You can put him in the rotation, excuse me, immediately. I get that. But – as I said on part one of the NBA draft preview, these two guys don't move the needle for me. It's kind of boring. Uh, I like Moody. I like Book Knight. Uh, Mitchell, I can get behind. I think he's going to be gone by the 10th pick. I love Cam Thomas. I just think 10 is too early for him. He's, I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a scorer. I mean, that's what he does. He goes out and gets you buckets. And I don't think he would be drafted as a starter. And you don't take a guy when the Grizzlies – I mean – I just don't think that you take your sixth man off the bench 
at the tenth pick. Yeah. So you're I'm, looking for the third guy. Yeah, yeah. So Giddy, his player comp is Kyle Anderson. Well, we we already have Kyle Anderson, um, and we have a Kyle Anderson that can play defense. Um, Giddy's not going to come in and play defense uh, right away. Um, Franz Wagner is interesting to me. Uh, Joe thinks that he's more valuable since he's grew two inches from six nine to six eleven. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, it seems like he's got the most all around game, but he's. I don't understand why he wouldn't be a top five pick if that's true. Um, maybe because his ceiling, maybe, maybe he just has a really high floor and the ceiling is just moderate. Um, he's got some Danilo Gallinari comps. Um, Moody, he's he's comped with, and I love these two players, Michael Bridges and OG Ananobi. Like, I would die to have either one of those two guys on the Grizzlies. And so if those are the comps, Moody seems like the obvious choice to, to go right there because he's exactly what this team needs. Cam Thomas is comped as a Terrence Ross or CJ McCollum. You would take that on the Grizzlies too, but like I'm with you like 10 just seems too early for Thomas. For me, if we take somebody like Singwin, have you watched film on him? Like, I watched him play defense. It looks like he's always like leaning on his heels and he's about to topple over if the wind blows. Yeah, I mean, I know that you, on our uh, draft board, I think you were the one of the one you had you wrote up about him. You're about not liking him. I mean, I I, I don't think that uh, he seems to be the guy that fluctuates the most on draft boards on mock drafts and everything because no one has a good feel for him. But you know, Sacramento. They're the team that's most likely to probably take them. Um, But that's, that's just how it seems. I think with Wagner, he's probably the closest thing to a sure thing in this draft besides, I guess the top four. So that might be why. And I understand what you're saying about top five, but as we've seen time and time again, in the NBA draft, a lot teams draft on potential too. And it's not just whether or not it's a sure thing, but I do think Wagner might be, number five on a sure thing in this draft. And that's probably why so many teams are linked to him, including the Grizzlies. Yeah. I, I don't know. This is, I mean, after the top three, you know, who's going one through three, nobody's squeezing in there and and that's not changing. What order is debatable really between two and three. We all pretty much agree that Nate Cunningham's going to go one. Um, my prediction is that Jalen Green's going two and Mobley's going three. And then Suggs, Suggs could go for. There's rumor that um, the Raptors like Scotty Barnes, um, which doesn't make sense because of the players that they have on their roster already. Um, if they're going to lose Kyle Lowry, Suggs is who they need. Um, but after pick four, who has a freaking clue? Like, this is, this is nuts. So we're kind of in the same range here. You know, we like – Moody, I think, is a, is a number one option. Wagner seems like a number two option. But I've seen drafts where Booknight, Moody, Wagner, um, and Mitchell are all gone, and we got freaking Giddy at 10. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen that too. And I've seen just maybe one of those guys still on the board. Moody, Moody uh, is the one I've seen most slide past the Grizzlies, and they still take Giddy, which I would be pretty disappointed and pretty upset. I'll give him a shot, see how it works out. They, they, this front office has allowed me to give them the benefit of the doubt. 
when it comes to something. I'll give them a chance. I'll give the guy a chance before I immediately rip it apart. But I think the rope's going to be short on uh, if on a guy like Giddy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, he's the same as you. He doesn't move the, the needle um, for me at all. Um, so let's let's talk trade up. Um, okay. The, the if it works out, the Grizzlies are able to, to trade up like they're rumored to. Um, we were we were wrong on episode one. Um, the Magic do not have the sixth pick; they had the fifth pick. Oklahoma City has yeah. pick six. Golden State has pick seven. Uh, the Magic had pick eight. The Kings were at pick nine. I believe all those teams are in play for the Grizzlies to deal with. Um, I believe that Toronto could be in play for Grizzlies to deal with. The package will be a lot more than it would be, say, to get to five. Um, and I I think that if they make this move, it's going to be for either we won't book night or they've got some intel that Moody's about to go and they're going to try to jump a team and, and get him first. I, that's, that's the only scenarios that I really see as a possibility unless – Climbing comes out of nowhere with some big swing and, and lands something crazy with that 10th pick. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of have been talking with every single one of those teams and have something somewhat in place on what are you looking for for this pick? Okay, we'll see what can happen. And then when the time comes, if they have to, they may pull the trigger. I just, you know, it. I don't know what the odds are on the Grizzlies actually staying pat at 10, but it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit if they end up not picking at 10. Yeah, I I would give it a a greater than 50% chance that the Grizzlies are not going to be at 10. Here's a scenario I'll throw out there. Um, Say it falls in a way where all the guys that the Grizzlies were inter- interested in trading up for are now gone. They couldn't get a trade to get up. Is 10 enticing enough for Houston to send us 23 and 24? Well, say you're the Grizzlies and you like Duarte and you know that he's not going to be there at 23 and 24. What do, what do you do? Do you take him at 10 or do you take – or do you draft somebody that you know that somebody right behind you wants, and then you kind of hold that person, that player hostage to try and get what you want from them and then take Duarte? I don't know. I mean, that's a tough decision. But it sounds like the Grizzlies have four guys on their radar that potential will be at 10, and that's the four we've been talking about, and that's you know Wagner, Giddy, Booknight, and Moody. And I don't necessarily – I don't see all four of them being off the board at 10. It's possible, but yeah, I don't think it's likely. Um, I, I think there's going to be a surprise in the top ten. Um, you know, these these GMs are playing it close to the chest. These leaks that come out are by agents. These leaks that come out are are designed to be smoke screens to throw people off the trail. Um, who who knows what's going to happen? And we're still we're right now about uh, 25 hours away. A lot can happen between now and then. Um, and I think a lot's going to happen uh, on on that night as well. Um, so moving on to the last thing before we have our guests join us on the show, uh, Ben, 
is there a uh, is there a a guy in the back end of the first round that may slip or is projected to be around there that you're like, all right, let's let's package a player and pick forty and let's move up and and get a guy. I mean, I think the obvious one's Josh Christopher. That's you know, Ja likes him. You you make your superstar happy. Um, he's been linked to the Grizzlies, and I mean, there's already been talk about moving when the Grizzlies held the 17th pick, maybe moving back and getting this. Heck, Cam Thomas drops far enough in the 20. I mean, he's, you know, he's projected. Kevin O'Connor has him as number nine, I believe, on his big board. But most mocks have him between, like, 19 and 24. If he's sitting there, like, 23, 24, Houston, you could probably get one of those picks from them. And I would, I would love to have him if you end up with him in the draft. I know he's young and he's got some things to work on, but you get a guy that can score like that out of the draft. I, I would love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, uh, if we're going to, if we're going to try to get a guy like that, it's, it's somebody like Christopher. Um, there's uh, JT Thor, AU uh, Dosanmu from Illinois can get, can score. I, I think you're going with, a guy that you trade back up into that like a Jaden Springer, maybe even um, you, you can go get just a guy that can, can go get you a bucket. Um, you can, if you, if you don't take the risk on the front end, like if you don't go for the giddy and you get the, 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 the Moses Moody or somebody like that, that you know is going to probably pan out. You can take a shot with the second guy that you go up and get and swing Zaire Williams, um, Josh Christopher, one of those guys. But if you're going, and you're going with the sh- taking a shot like Giddy might look more sure thing like a Jared Butler um, in in that back end Trey Man maybe Miles McBride those kind of guys I know it's been reported that the Grizzlies have had a conversation with McBride six um, one point guard out of uh, West Virginia who has been comped to none other than Javon Carter uh, and Drew Holiday you you'll take that kind of player for sure um, so oh, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's interesting. Um, we don't know what's coming. We don't know that the Grizzlies don't bother way into the second round and take a third player. Like we just we really have no ideas. So we are um, obviously wrapping up our part two of this draft preview. And in this part two, we have two more guests to bring on the show. Um, make sure you follow along with us tonight during the draft uh, on Twitter. Uh, multiple of our uh, writers will be on their personal accounts, but we'll also have a DBB spaces going as well from the main account. Follow along, interact with us. Uh, we'd love to get your reactions when, when the pick happens for sure. But we're going to take a quick break right here and bring on our next guest. All right. Joining us now is Drake Yuyu. He is a uh, member at Pro Insights, a former uh, front office member with the Sacramento Kings. He is a NBL champion over in Australia, played with James Ennis, former Memphis Grizzly James Ennis. Drake, man, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to talk hoops. It's always fun when, uh, you know, especially this time of year, talking draft, talking prospects. Uh, summer is always a fun time of year in the NBA, so appreciate you guys having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, the first thing I'm going to ask you is we've kind of seen a little bit of a shift when it comes to the draft. 
used to, you always would hear upside and guys would be ba uh, drafted based on their potential and their upside. We've kind of seen a shift of more guys that stayed three or four years in college are being taken. The Grizzlies, prime example of that, you know, they had took Brandon Clark. Do you think that more teams are going to kind of follow suit in this, or do you think that there's still going to be a bunch of teams that draft based on potential? That's a good question. I feel like the, uh, my answer to this is, uh, you know, every GM and decision maker has a different timeline. Um, every team has a different timeline and some teams are in win now mode and are looking to uh, add pieces that can play right away. And others feel like, like OKC, for example, I think has, uh, you know, a time frame where they're looking out a couple of years and can kind of take that um, gamble, let's say, on, on a project that might take a couple of years, uh, who, who's a couple of years away from being ready to contribute. So, uh, but I, yeah, I mean, even with um, in the past recent years, I feel like in this year's draft, especially, you're starting to see a lot of upperclassmen who were told they wouldn't be drafted last year and have kind of shot up the boards this year. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's it's kind of a, a risk tolerance, I think, with decision makers at the league. And um, again, like kind of looking at see where your team's at and figuring out those needs. So in terms of um, the, I guess, one of the draft things that, that people pay attention to, draft age, do you think that is um, a bigger factor than it should be? Or does draft age really matter that much? I think it's, uh, personally, I actually like older players. Um, I think they're a lot more reliable you know what you're getting, you have a better idea of who they are. And these players, uh, you know, there's a, there's a level of maturity uh, and understanding of their game, um, uh, more of an acceptance of like, really understanding the role that they'll play at the next level. Um, and so they have a little better grasp on reality. And, and physically, I think they're, uh, you know, a little, obviously a lot more developed and mature. And so uh, you look at a guy like Desmond Bain is like the perfect example who uh, he's a guy that was ready to plug in right away. And I think that you look at this year's draft and guys like Corey Kispert and Chris Duarte, um, you know, kind of more mature. And, and especially like from a coach's standpoint, coaches are, are much more willing to throw a guy in there that uh, they feel more comfortable and, uh, and confident in. And so uh, it's funny over the years, I, I feel like there's been like almost an undervaluing of, of guys, guys being knocked for their age and, um, I think that's actually like a, a, a way for teams to kind of actually see value uh, in the draft. And, you know, I, I know a lot of these analytics models will uh, kind of uh, hurt a guy or kind of hold it against him, his age. Uh, but again, like for me as a decision maker, I, I personally tend to lean more on like, what can I bet on this player to do sooner rather than later? And so I think that the age is not necessarily as a hindering factor for me when evaluating guys. Is there a guy in this draft that, you know, you see that guys are undervaluing that could possibly just shoot up uh, when it comes draft night or I guess tonight when uh, when they're taken? Yeah, um, there's a couple. I mean, Trey Murphy has kind of jumped on boards within the past couple of months. I, I would say he's, he's climbed uh, from where he originally was. Uh, another guy that I've been really intrigued by recently is uh, Nishant Highland. Um these guys that like I could see projecting or I, guys that I can project into playing NBA roles. And so whether it's a guy that can come off the bench and, uh, you know, kind of be a microwave scorer for you or uh, like a three and D mold, like a Trey Murphy. Um, 
Herb Jones is a guy who I, I love, like utility guys that are versatile and can guard a variety of positions. Um, you can find like a Jericho Sims uh, somewhere in the second round that uh, I think will be a really reliable backup center in the league. Um, so, yeah, those are a few of the names that kind of stick out in my mind, uh, along with some others in the second round. But uh, when I was working with the Kings and running our G League team, that, that was like my wheelhouse, was trying to find these like under the radar. Uh, we were fortunate enough to find guys that were either late second rounders or undrafted that end up being two ways and finding success like the Gabe Vincents and the Wenyan Gabriels of the world. So. Um, I, I do think that that's kind of a sweet spot, and that's the fun part of drafts and evaluating all together is just trying to find those diamonds. So no. say you are in the front office of the Memphis Grizzlies with pick number 10. Who's a guy that you're whispering in the ear of uh, Zach Kleiman saying, this, this is the guy that you guys need to take? So at 10, uh, there's two guys I think that stick out in my mind for Memphis. Uh, I've heard a lot of the Josh Giddy. Um, rumors or I've seen a lot of them and uh, Josh is one of my favorite guy players in this draft um, the thing that really blew me away was his actual size I didn't realize he was legitimate 6'8 um, I, I, had a, I had the chance to fly out to Australia and go watch LaMelo uh, that year he was playing over there and in watching Josh you know you can kind of see a lot of the same playmaking and, and the way he reads, reads situations out of pick and roll um, his ability to pass off the dribble with either hand. He, he, he sees the game at a very high level for his age. And so when I look at your guys' roster, I think that, like, adding another playmaker alongside Ja um, with that type of size, like, yeah. He, he does kind of have a similar – now I look at, like, uh, Kyle Anderson. The way I kind of looked at Josh Giddy was kind of in the mold of, like, a Joe Ingles and a Tyrese Halliburton, that type of, like – he's just a basketball player who I think will – only continue to get older or get continue to get better as he gets stronger. Um, so I like the Josh Giddy pick and, and another guy that I'm super high on that. Uh, I don't know if he'll be there. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But Davion Mitchell is another guy who, to me, like embodies that grit and grind uh, personality. I think he, he's tough as nails, can guard, uh, you know, either guard position. Uh, and I think he he's one of those older guys that I think still has some upside and at the next level with more space. I like his shot making ability, his shiftiness. So two way player. I think he kind of both those two guys I think would be great fits in, in Memphis. I don't think I've heard anybody mention Mitchell to uh to Memphis, which to me that means it's a chance because there's a lot of smoke screens being thrown out right now. Uh who who likes who and uh what Memphis is gonna do. They're definitely not done. Uh, I know they got some some guys on the wing that need to move because um, they just they've got a ton and they had 13 guys that could have played in the rotation last year. Um, so I we're gonna wrap it up with this. Let you go. Um, do you think it's possible that uh, both Buddy Hill and Marvin Bagley are off the Kings roster at the end of the night tomorrow night? I think it's very possible. Um... I think there's definitely some traction there just with, you know, people I know that are still in the league that are um, probably more on the end with the Intel side. But I, I do think that there's some truth to that Buddy Heald uh, to L.A. stuff. I think that, you know, as much as it pains me as growing up a Kings fan, trying, I mean, I do think that Buddy to the Lakers makes the Lakers better. And then I also do think that, uh, you know, I like the idea of Kuzma and possibly Montrez coming to Sacramento. And it, it's one of those trades that, I could see being a win for both sides. Um, 
but and with Marvin, I think it's just a matter of like Sacramento trying to a. I think there's enough water under the bridge to where both both parties could probably use a fresh start. Um, but B, I think they're probably trying to shop and see like what the actual value for him is and try and maximize that. So whether that's for a pick or whether that's for another young player, who knows? But uh, I do think there's a good possibility that one, if not both, are could be moved by tomorrow. So we'll see. Yeah, I like that um, buddy for Kyle and Montrez, especially if you lose uh, Rashawn Holmes and you do move Bagley, then you 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 filled your four and five right there uh, with a guy that can score. And then we all know what Harrell brings to the table. Um, and then that opens up the door for more playing time for Halliburton next to Fox. Um, I think that's a, a good fit for sure. Drake, man, I appreciate you coming on. If you would, just kind of plug uh, where people can find you on Twitter and, and uh, the pro insights and what, what all y'all got going on. Yeah, uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter. I'll, I'll occasionally be posting random draft thoughts, but uh, it's at drizzy underscore uu22. Uh, and then, yeah, check us out on Pro Insight. We've got a really talented team. Matt McKay's built a great program, a great platform. Uh, covers everything from grassroots to college to pro. Um, and so, yeah, we've got a good product. I'm actually repping the sweatshirt right now, the light bulb. So if you see us out there, give us a shout out. But, yeah, I appreciate you guys having us on, Matt. It's, uh, it's always fun. Yeah, man. Appreciate you coming on. Yes, you guys uh, go check him out. Go give him a follow. Go check out Pro Insights as well and Matt McKay. Uh, we will be back after this break uh, with our next guest. Joining us now on our Memphis Grizzlies Grizzly Bear Blue Draft Preview Podcast mega episode that we have going on with all of our guests. Ben, we have a rising star on Twitter. This man has this account on Twitter. I think it's like a year old, maybe. And he's already like tripled the amount of followers that I have on, on Twitter. And I've been doing this thing since like 2014. Uh, I'm talking about the Twitter account run by Nathan Grubel called Draft Deeper. His work has been very good. His interaction with the fans on Twitter uh, revolving this NBA draft has been awesome. Um, Nathan, thanks for joining us, man. How are things going? I'm doing well. Thank you for, for having me and for the glowing intro that I probably don't deserve, but you, you, you're, you're awesome, man. And I I'm excited to talk about the draft, but also about the, the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies were really like the first NBA team that I was actually like a fan of back really? in 2011 with the grid and grind Grizz. So yeah, I, I'm excited for this one. That's awesome, man. So let's, let's jump into awesome. it. Um, let's, let's go with, uh, your deep cuts, your sleepers, who, who are some guys in the draft that maybe you think are being overlooked um, or are going to be a steal later on? So I'll give you two guys who I actually talked about on a guest appearance that I did yesterday with Chuck from uh, the Chucking Darts NBA Draft podcast. I'll talk about Joel Yai, who is a 6'5 guard out of Gonzaga, who is your very traditional bring your lunch pail to work type of role player who is going to do whatever it takes for your team to win on offense, whether that's initiating offense out of pick and roll sets in a backup role, whether that is um, offering off ball movement. He was, he's arguably the best backdoor cutter in the entire draft class, if not the best. Um, and then he can hit open jump shots um, to, to an excellent rate. Um, and and he, had, he shot over 57% from the field 
this year. So he is somebody who offers enough offensive versatility in a backup type role too. If you're looking for like an early to, to mid second round selection, and you're looking for somebody to just come in, give you a spark offensively, someone you can hand the keys to and, and, and trust to run a second unit, I would definitely look his way. And then another guy who is a sleeper, I don't understand why he's a sleeper. Somebody who, if I was like the Oklahoma City Thunder, for example, with like picks 16 or 18, who have multiple first round picks, they can take a shot in the dark or heck, I would have even said he'd be an interesting selection for, for you guys in Memphis. Um, but Isaiah Todd has gone so far under the radar at this point. And I would rather take a flyer on somebody like him than, than a lot of the other guys you could talk about, like late first round, who you would think is more project type developmental players. Um, 6'10 forward has a very pretty jump shot for somebody his size. He can shoot it off movement. He can shoot it off the catch. Um, has one of the better fadeaway jumpers out of the post, I think, out of somebody in this entire draft class. So that's just another interesting dimension to his offensive attack. And then being the athlete, he is arguably one of the top five athletes in this class. The, the switchability and the versatility he could potentially offer on defense is also really enticing to me. So um, those are two guys who I could target like early second round for sure. Um, maybe even a little earlier in, in Todd's case. And I'd feel really comfortable about the type of player that I could get for that kind of value. Yeah. I know there's some guys at, at GBB that love Ayayi. Um, I, I like him too. Um, I think he'd be like after the Grizzlies, we're going to talk about the trade that just went down the Woj bomb that just exploded everywhere. Um, the Grizzlies are at 40. Now Ayayi wouldn't, if he's still there at 40, I think he'd be an, an excellent pick. Isaiah Todd seems like one, if I'm not mistaken, like, his senior year of high school, he was viewed as a one-and-done lottery type guy. Like, he was going to yep. be a top-10 lottery pick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this question to Ben. Ben, do you think some of these guys going to the G League, like uh, Knicks and, and Todd and even Jalen Green, to a, an extent, them not being on the on TV and national you know, media and, and being able to be seen as much, you think that's hurt their stock a little bit? Uh, I do. I mean, I'll be honest, some of the guys on my big board uh, – G League guys, I had them lower than a lot of the other other guys that did their big boards, and it's simply because I didn't see them that much. And I think they kind of also fall out of everybody's memory because they're always talking about you know the college guys or the high school guys that you know you see the one and done, and then they go to the G League and they just somewhat forget about them. I think that's a case as well. So yeah, I mean for sure. And I got a real quick question on a follow up on the uh, the sleepers. What are some first round guys that you're just not completely sold on yet. So a guy that's now come up in, in multiple conversations again with, with, with Chuck, that guest appearance, but I also just recorded a podcast with uh, coach Adam Spinella that, that I'm very excited to release to my audience. Somebody I asked him about in detail was Josh Giddy um, because he's gotten a lot of this lottery buzz. People think he's a point guard at his size because of some of the things he did with Adelaide. And I'm not sold on a lot of those same skills translating to the NBA level really wrapped around um, the lack of scoring ability that I see from him out of the game. Like I'm not confident how he's generating points on an NBA floor from, from day one. I question the jump shot mechanics on both his pull-up jumper as well as his catch and shoot jumper. I don't think he's a good finisher around the basket a because he's, he's not the bulkiest of guys at six, eight at his size, which that's something he'll, he'll add to his body. He's in the league, but I also don't think he has great natural touch 
around the basket either. So you start to figure out someone who needs to leverage his playmaking as his greatest strength. Well, part of playmaking is also being a threat to score the basketball. And I just don't know how much of a threat he's going to be to take advantage of his strengths if he's not able to hit shots consistently from at least two of those three levels on the floor. So he's somebody I've had questions about. He has a lot of Joe Ingles comparisons out there. I think if you draft him and you're very comfortable with developing him as more of like a 4-3 type forward and then you let him ease himself into more playmaking responsibilities, then I think he can be a very valuable draft pick and somebody who obviously I still have as like a tier three type guy, which on my board, that means you can be like a one through four starter on like a really good or a championship level team. But I think that if you bring him in as a point guard and you play him from that spot from day one and you hand too much responsibility to him, I just question the type of results you're going to get back. And we, we've seen in the past that sometimes when you give players too much responsibility out of the gate, it can stunt their growth a little bit. I, I think it's a perfect segue. Um, w- the Grizzlies um, are now picking at 10. Uh, they have moved up in the draft from 17 and 51 to 10 and 40 by, by way of trade with the um, New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, Jonathan Giovanni kind of came out immediately after that and said there's some smoke around the league that the Grizzlies are looking at Giddy at 10. I hate that. I absolutely hate that idea and the thought of that. I'm hoping that that's just a smoke screen that the Grizzlies are throwing out there like, oh, yeah, we're interested in this kid at 10. It makes no sense. I don't need another 6'7", 6'8", guy on the team that can't shoot. He's got a negative wingspan. Um, I, I just I, – I'm not sold on him the same way that you're not sold on him. I don't see how his game translates. He is very, very young at 18, one of the youngest in the draft. He's going to turn 19 in October. He could grow size-wise still at, at 19 years old. He's, he's got plenty of time to develop, but I don't love it. Let's talk about pick number 10. We're talking uh, Moses Moody, Book Knight, Franz Wagner, um, Corey Kispert, that kind of range for the Memphis Grizzlies now. Um, who do you still see still being there, and who do you think in that range would be a great fit for the Grizz? You mentioned a lot of the popular names that are now going to be talked about with that pick. Um, And and those are really good names to bring up from an immediate reaction standpoint. I wonder if the Grizzlies may try and hit a little more of a home run with that pick and bet on somebody who has been mocked in that like 11 to 14 range. There's been some buzz that he's gained some traction with San Antonio. So maybe I think Memphis made that trade. I know you guys will talk about it, uh, but I think Memphis mainly made that trade because there is somebody they like at 10 that they don't think they can get at 17 anymore. And two guys come to mind. Um, Chris Duarte has really had his stock rise and he's somebody who I thought would have been a natural target for you guys at 17. But if his stock is rising to lottery, then Memphis might've seen this as an opportunity. If we can buy ourselves into pick nine or pick 10, take on a few contracts, maybe move one of those contracts, but then we get the draft pick that we want. He would be a very sensible selection for you guys is just the, the thing that I love the most about your team is that you guys have just stockpiled basketball players. And I love it. I love that approach. You guys are so deep. It's incredible to, to watch how you guys can bring like the 12th man off your bench and he's contributing like a seventh man. It's, it's awesome. So, but the other guy would be Alper and Shengun. I really wonder if they try and hit like a home run with somebody like him. I know that he's gained some traction um, in, in circles like Charlotte and San Antonio. I wonder if maybe they were trying to leapfrog two of those teams right there in that range and they could take a swing on somebody who 
offers so much offensive value. Everyone wants to talk about his defensive shortcomings and his quote unquote lack of ability to properly protect the rim in your most, most traditional sense. Well, you guys have Jared Jackson Jr. back there to, to block a bunch of shots and offer length around the basket. So uh, why not piece together that kind of a front court? You can develop Shangun, bring him along a little slower if you guys keep Steven Adams. Why not maybe take that approach? So I think it's probably actually going to be one of those two guys. All right. So <laughs> I know a lot to unpack there. I think I think um, Duarte is a is a reach at ten. I love him. I think he's a perfect Grizz, Memphis Grizzlies player. I would player. agree with you. Um, I, I saw him as somebody that if you really wanted to reach for him, you waited till draft night to see where he fit, where he was falling. Um, maybe looking at him to you know get up to Indiana's range at fourteen and maybe take him there. Um, I, I don't love Duarte at ten. I don't love Alperin uh, Singlin either. Oh, you're and, about to break look, my heart. <laughs> and, and look, but here's the thing: what's crazy is that like you just brought him up, and Kevin O'Connor's been over on Spotify Green Room, and he mentioned him as a as a sneaky fit for the Grizzlies too. So here here's what I need from you: tell me how he fits on this roster when we already have Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman, and Jaron Jackson. So the thing that sets apart Shangun is that those guys are are awesome in their own right. I, I support Brandon Clark. Xavier Tillman was certainly a surprise in my book in terms of some of the immediate value he brought last year and actually contributed to you guys having some a little bit of playoff success there and getting into the playoffs. Um, the, the, the thing that Shangun does differently is number one, he offers so much more offensive value than all of those guys. Shingun is one of the best post scorers I think I've possibly ever evaluated. His footwork around the basket is pristine. When you talk about the idea of touch, he has excellent touch around the basket. And then he also offers a lot of playmaking versatility for you guys offensively as well. Um, he's somebody who is very adept at high-low passing, whether that's passing out of the post whether that's doing something around the elbow and getting somebody else the ball down low. So I think that out of all of the front court guys you have, I think that him and Jaron Jackson could pair so well together long-term. I mean, Jaron Jackson, like, like, again, when you look at Shengun's faults, he needs, he ideally needs somebody who can help protect the rim from the weak side and also space the floor for you on offense. Like that's Jaron Jackson's calling card. Like, let me ask you guys, do you think that Jaron Jackson is going to be a center at some point long-term, or do you think he's ultimately going to remain a power forward and you still need another big body down there? That could be Tillman, that could be Clark, or you could take a swing for the fences and get a potentially excellent offensive prospect like Shingun. I think eventually Jaron's their five of the future. That's the way I think that they're going, and I think that's why they got rid of Jonas and then they brought in Steven Adams, who's similar fit, but I just think looking to the future, it'll be a Jaron Jackson at, at the five. Uh, real quick, I'm not going to put you on – well, I guess I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Put me on the spot, man. Come on, hit me. Kevin O'Connor also put out that the Grizzlies could move up even more into the draft to maybe make a deal with Orlando or Golden State. And they're talking about for either Booknight or Kuminga. Do you feel like either of those guys would fit better, one better than the other with the Grizzlies? I think Booknight would be a better fit than Kuminga and Kuminga is actually another guy that I just talked about on the podcast that, that, that I recorded. And I've had some struggles with him because I just don't see the bankable skills that Kuminga brings to the table offensively in the league from day one. And you guys are now getting ready to be in playoff mode where you guys need to be able to plug in players. You know what they're going to do well. 
Um, and, and you need to be able to have some kind of accountability from those guys offensively. I don't see that from day one with Kaminga, although in time he could be an excellent player. Um, Book Knight does offer you a lot of versatility offensively off the ball. If the shooting changes are real, if he's improved his mechanics, then you get another shooter as well. But our, our good friend up there does not want more non-shooters on his Memphis Grizzlies. And I agree. I've watched the Grizzlies chuck up too many bricks over the years. I think you guys need better shooters. But I guess the last point I'll leave you with is if there is a draft to ever trade up, use some of your assets to go up and get the guy that you want. It's this draft because it's loaded and the, you may not have another opportunity like this to get what could end up being a third piece around John ja Jaron in, in, in another draft like this. So I, I would use the capital and move up. Nathan, I appreciate you. This has been great stuff. You know your stuff for sure. Uh, if you do me a favor, plug your stuff. Where can, where can everybody find your work? Um, just Just give it out there for all the listeners. Follow us on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get it, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. The content's going to keep coming. I'll, we'll, we'll have a live draft show on YouTube that night. Um, and then I'll have a reaction pod that will go up sometime after the draft as well. And, and I'll be on social media, but after the draft, we'll, we'll take a little bit of a break over here at Draft Deeper. It's been a long scouting cycle, but I can't thank you guys enough for, for wanting to have me on for, for a plug. That's awesome. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate it. Good stuff. Yeah, man. Great work. Keep it up. All right. Uh, after uh, we get done here, we're going to uh, come back to our next guest. So you guys stick around. Now joining us on the uh, draft preview megacast over here at the 3ND podcast is a friend of the show, a friend of mine, a friend of Ben Hogan's. We have Mr. Eric Hasselton. Eric, what's up? uh a lot apparently i go on vacation and all of a sudden we were trading players and making moves and all these crazy things so uh you've got a child now since uh, you know and ben's got one on the way so tons tons and tons happening oh i got my child now <laughs> oh congratulations i didn't see that's how far removed i am from everything what, yeah. what, no, what do we have a what, boy what, what little a boy all right yes. and i got yeah. an enormous and you got a little girl? I got a little girl on the way. Oh, yeah. Another one on the way? Another one on the way. Good Lord, man. You guys are just, <laughs> you guys are factories. Gluttons. Gluttons for punishments. <laughs> I, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick up my nine-year-old from karate. So wait till they get to that age and you just turn into a, to a human taxi. That's basically what I am. I hear you. All right. You, you oh. mentioned, you mentioned the trading players. So what do you think about the uh, reported deal that is, that's been out there between new Orleans and Memphis? Yeah, it was interesting. I was actually down in Orlando with my family, uh, you know, taking a little time away before things kind of get hectic around here with golf tournament. And then, you know, right after summer league, it's going to be NFL football season and all that. So it was kind of an ideal time to get away. And, um boom here comes the the note and i was like whoa that kind of caught me off guard so the reported deal obviously everybody's heard is is one that i think signifies that they're not done trying to make other moves whether that's moving up in this draft and, and to what position who knows it it seems there's a couple likely teams that could want to move either back or move off of picks um there's teams that may try to acquire more who knows maybe uh, you get a situation where one of the teams with two picks tries to move up and then the team that gets the two picks 
uh, tries to flip one of the picks and, and move back or gain more assets next year. It's, it's hard to tell on these situations, but I think, you know, if the reports are true, what it boils down to is, in my opinion, that they're looking at John saying, we're going to take less, um, less of the unselfishness from you next year. And that's not a bad thing to have as a point guard, but I think they realize with Jonas Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks and uh, potentially a healthy Jaron Jackson, um, barring some major shakeup, you got three guys that kind of need the ball early in the game. And what we saw, I think, a lot last year was there was a lot of first quarters where John Morant was just a facilitator. And to be quite honest, guys, he's too good to be just a facilitator. He's not He's not a Jose Calderon. He's not a guy that, that just goes and gets you eight, nine, ten assists, a Mark Jackson type point guard. And Mark Jackson was one of the best facilitators of his generation. He basically looked to set everybody else up. He got his points when he got them, but he wasn't ever looking to score. And in today's game, point guards more so look to score than ever before. Chris Paul is the closest thing we have at that level to a throwback. But you look at the great point guards in the game today and what do they do? They put the ball in the bucket and they get guys the basketball. We're seeing guys so many nights with 30 points and 10 assists where back in the day, that was just an absolute rarity, you know? Steve Nash was winning MVPs, not by scoring 30 a night, but by setting guys up, by shooting uh, an incredibly high percentage because he picked his spots, so to speak. And they don't want Ja to pick his spots because as we saw, he can go for 25 and a quarter in the blink of an eye. And if he's too busy trying to make sure Jonas is happy and Jaron's happy and Dylan's happy and even Kyle Anderson, if, if that's part of the picture, if that was the roster you were running with or whoever may be that that other starter in that position, whether it's Desmond Bain or Grayson Allen or whatever the roster looks like, you don't want him taking a backseat to anybody. So I think the recognition is that, that Steven Adams is not Jonas on the offensive end, but he's a little better on the defensive end, especially in the pick and roll. And he's, he's a, a comparable rebounder. So you get a guy that doesn't really need the ball in his hands on the offensive end is content to set monster screens uh, clean up misses. And then on the defensive end, he plays the pick and roll better uh, than Jonas does defensively. And that's not to knock Jonas. He's, he's a very, very good player, um, but he rebounds at a comparable level. So uh, I just think they're saying we want Ja to take that next step forward. And it's harder to do that when you have one more, uh, more of an offensive base center than a guy that just defends and rebounds. Leading into the draft, there's always smoke. There's always rumors, but in your memory, is this the wildest lead-in to a draft that you've seen with the Grizzlies? Um, I, yeah, I think it's close. Uh, obviously, the, the the deal for Mike Conley was a big one because you essentially ended up picking up a couple of really young players that that you know Grayson Allen wasn't young like most rookies are because he stayed four years at Duke, but you had a guy in Brandon Clark fall back. And, you know, all of a sudden you got Brandon Clark, John Morant, who you got with your pick. And then, um, you know, you made the trade for D'Anthony Melton. And all of a sudden I looked at that summer league roster and I was like, my gosh, this when this Utah deal actually goes through, these guys are going to be a beast. And that's the year they won it. The last year there was a summer league uh, prior to what's going to happen in August in Las Vegas, assuming all goes off without a hitch that was a little crazier to me just because of the magnitude of what Mike Conley meant to the franchise 
Jonas was beloved in the short time he was here, but this isn't one of the core four. So it's crazy because now you're thinking, all right, what do you have up your sleeve next? And if we know anything about this group with, you know, Zach Kleiman and Tayshawn Prince and Rich Cho and Glenn Grunwald and the rest of the front office personnel that put a lot of time and effort into this stuff, they don't just sit and wait. They're, they're proactive. Their phone's going to ring. And I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to say everybody's available, but I, I would be shocked if they're not at least listening to anything that is being said on the other side of the line when the phone rings, unless the name come, unless name John Morant comes up. And then that's a, a, a deal stopper right there. Anything else, they'll hear what people have to offer. And I have faith that these guys have enough uh, now experience because let's be honest, they weren't the most experienced group when they got rolling. Rich Cho had experience, Glenn Grunwald did. But Zach had been more of a, a council type guy, more of a, a handling the contracts and the, the legal aspects of things. But he's such a sharp guy and, and absorbed so much information doing that that he was able to hit the ground running where a lot of guys may not have been able to. Well, now they're into year three. And year three is, you know, a chance for them to now go, okay, we, we know what our goal is, what our vision is, and where we want to be. And we know the guys that we believe help can, can help get us there. And as I've said on many broadcasts about being aggressive as opposed to being passive, I, I would much rather have guys committing fouls, committing turnovers with aggressive play and, and learn to fix it rather than being passive and not committing those fouls or turnovers, but also not taking your shots and opportunities to make yourselves better. So um, I think they run the front office that way. I think they're willing to put themselves in a position where if they make a mistake, they'll own it and, and mistakes inevitably in any front office will happen. No front office has ever run the gamut and been perfect. Uh, the guys have missed on draft picks. Guys have missed on free agents. Guys have missed on signings. You name it, they, they've missed. Everybody from the Lakers to the Celtics to the Spurs to the Bulls. I mean, we all know the misses. And that's kind of what you get held accountable for. But they're not afraid to make those mistakes. And I don't want to say the previous regime was afraid. I think they were. they had a goal to try to keep the playoff run going as long as they possibly could, knowing that one day it would eventually end, but they – didn't want that day to potentially be on their watch, which it ended up happening. And then now they're all, they've all kind of gone their separate ways. So um, I don't, I, it's wild and it could get wilder uh, and it could surpass what happened with Mike Conley. Cause we all, all kind of knew that, but it was just a wild situation. Shoot around. Everybody was on pins and needles. Mark's not there in Oklahoma city. You realize it's the end of an era and at the end of the day, Mike doesn't get dealt. And I know that was a little bit frustrating probably for him and his camp at the time because they wanted an opportunity to play for a bigger prize. And Mark was going to get that opportunity in Toronto. They, they had the, the horses to run that race, and they improved, I thought, with the moves that they made. I, I remember picking them early season saying, I don't think people – realize that DeMar DeRozan turned into not just Kawhi Leonard, but also Danny Green. And they didn't give up a lot to get that piece that can really help them come playoff time. But for Mike, it was tough. And I think in his camp, it was a little bit frustrating. Um, but, you know, it, it it's one of those situations where he handled it like the professional that he is. But then we went into the offseason and you're like, 
yeah, there's no way that this is going to stay this way because the guy wants an opportunity to not have to be part of a rebuild right away. And, you know, we've seen situations and, and I, you know, like we said in, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, having the clout to kind of lay out the front office in a press conference for not making moves and not treating guys the right way. And Mike didn't necessarily do that, but the frustration can be there. Yeah, so I, I had to echo what you mentioned about the Grizzlies uh, taking phone calls on on everybody um, except for John Morant. And it seems to, to be that right now um, with the, the rumor that came out that they had conversations with the Cleveland Cavaliers about going up to three. And obviously, you're not doing that without Jaron Jackson Jr. being included in that conversation. Um, and so it's it's definitely an interesting route going forward. Uh, I agree with you. They're definitely not done. There are more moves to come. Hollinger's reported that they've been shopping uh, their wings. Um, so here, here's my question. Uh, we'll, we'll end it with, with this one. Who is the type of player – or a guy that you love that would be the best fit for what Memphis needs going forward? Out of the draft or just in, in, in general? Out of the draft, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you move, you know, again, it, I hate dealing with these rumors, and this time of year you get a, cr- a bunch of them because ever since before the internet was as popular as it is and before we had – cellular devices where everybody was racing to their Twitter app or their Instagram app or whatever app they're posting on, you know, back in the day, it was all just online. And I, you know, and I'm, I'm old now, so I can say back in the day, but there was a guy in Chicago named Sam Smith. And I remember one year he had Shane Battier traded 10 different times and none of them came to fruition. That's just kind of what guys do. They throw these ideas out there and say, Hey, this works let me check with my contact with XYZ team and see if they think this would be something they'd be quote unquote willing to do, or someone from that organization contacts or any organization contacts a reporter and says, Hey, we would be really interested in this. If, if we could get them to bite, not necessarily that there's been conversations, but then it's like leaked. Oh, these, these guys are interested in so-and-so. And now all of a sudden, teams are going, well, they're interested in them. Maybe somebody else is interested in them. So a lot of it can be cat and mouse. I think the type of player you need is the guy that Jaron, I think, was before he got hurt in the bubble that stretches the floor, that protects the rim, that's long and athletic. Um, but you also need that rebounding and toughness inside. You need a little more consistent, experienced, three-point shooting on the wing Kyle Anderson obviously had a, a much better season last year but you need someone that guys are going to respect and there's a reason Kyle was open last year now towards the end of the year they had to go back and do that but if you watched any of the playoffs the guys who never get in the game for the Jazz whenever Kyle shot made the stink face and put their fingers across their nose and you know kind of waved like he stinks let him shoot and I was like, yo, man, like that's not only a disrespectful B you're wrong. You haven't read your scouting report. So that tells me you're not paying attention to the fact that the guy shot a career high from three and his shot was much better, but that shows where he ranks in people's, you know, minds as a three point shooter. So if you could find someone that can stretch the floor like that and open up the lanes for John ja Morant, that that's there. I mean, we've heard rumors that Washington is looking to move Bradley Beal and we've heard that name, potentially towards the Grizzlies in the past. Is that a contract you want to pick up? 
with two years and I think $70 million left on it. That's a big, uh, that's a big question. That's a big, uh, that's a big ask of a team to take that on and, and to, to not know if Bradley Beal really wants to be there. You know, that's a lot of money. If a guy gets here and says, you know, I've been in this kind of situation before I really want to go to a team that's a top four in each conference. And that's kind of where NBA players have their powers. So you need a scoring pop. I think if, I think you've seen that Dylan Brooks, if he's part of the equation moving forward, can be your defensive guy if he's willing to fully embrace that role seemingly the way he did in the playoffs. Uh, if Steven Adams will help him there and you can add some athleticism and shooting at that three or four spot if it's not going to be Jaron, if Jaron's road to recovery still takes a little bit longer, that's what you're looking for. Now, if you want to go try to find that second true star then you may, if you don't think Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be that second true star, you may have to move on that contract quicker than most people would have liked. Um, teams have done it before. It's not always a popular decision. But if that rumor mill churning and says, hey, at three with Cleveland, you can either get Evan Mobley or Jalen Green. Uh, wow. You know, that's but that's, again, what's the likelihood of that? Is, is Cleveland going to back off another young star to move back and maybe pick up extra assets moving forward. They've got three talented young guards and I don't know that they need a, anything other than a big moving forward. And so who knows what, what goes on there. And so, you know, again, it's, it's, it's hard to say, uh, but I think they're, they're trying to consolidate the roster. And instead of having Taylor Jenkins look down the bench at 12 guys who can give him quality minutes, I think they feel like he needs to look at eight, maybe a ninth guy that can give those quality minutes. And your seven, eight, nine guys need to take big steps forward. And then your 10, 11, 12 guys can take steps back. And maybe those guys that filled those roles find homes elsewhere where they can play more significant minutes for whatever team that they're a part of at that point. It's, it's really difficult when you have that many guys. And it was a, a blessing when guys got banged up. But look at what we saw in the playoffs. Utah goes to basically three subs and then a rotation of a fourth, whether that's Niang or Mieoni, but their three subs are Jordan Clarkson, Derek Favors, and Joe Ingles. And if somebody gets hurt, George Niang steps up. But after that, if you can tell me anybody from the Jazz bench that you know and understand their game, then either you are a diehard Utah Jazz fan or you are a liar. Because <laughs> even I watching them throughout the time, I'm like, who are these guys? Like, I've never heard of some of them. And I had seen them in summer leagues. I mean, I heard the name, but like, I don't recall them. They are guys that they picked up uh, through good scouting and two-way deals and pre-aging contracts, but that's what you want. And you want to sink the majority of your salary cap into your first nine, 10 guys. And at nine and 10, it's more the majority really is in your first eight. And then you got two guys that are young and maybe on, on lower, like, lower tier contracts because they're still in their rookie deals or they just didn't get a ton of time so yeah definitely I think consolidation seems to be what what the deal is going forward uh for them I think it's the right thing to do um uh, as always Eric you nailed it um some incredible yeah. insight um <laughs> we uh we definitely appreciate you coming on and 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 doing this with us that's why I keep coming back. You guys keep giving my ego a nice little chuckle. <laughs> so, uh, 
nailing Not it. Not a problem uh, at all, and Precise on point. I appreciate that very much. You know, I go home and my nine-year-old tells me I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. But he's also <laughs> the kid that is like saying, no, Dad, they are up by seven, and that is too many possessions to come back from with less than a minute to go. This thing is over. And I went, okay, <laughs> bud, I, I, I believe you. And, and he was right. And he and he'll go up and brush his teeth. Was I right? Was I right? I told you I was right, right? And I'm like, dude, you're, you're nine, and if you want to live to see ten, stick that toothbrush back in your mouth and pipe down. But uh, he, he, he follows it the way uh, the way I did, so it's fun being able to now kind of share this stuff with him. And so, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it, and I, I'm happy for both you guys, and, and keep up the great work. Appreciate it, Eric. Yeah, for sure. Uh Eric, best of luck to you going into uh, another season as the, the radio voice for the Grizz. Hopefully um, it's another playoff run uh, and uh, this team adds, adds some fun pieces to make it more exciting going forward. Uh, ben, anything you want to throw out there before we, before we end this draft preview podcast that's, that's spanned a whole week for us? Yeah, man, I'm just uh, I'm excited for it. I don't know what's going to happen, and uh, there's a lot of things that could happen between now and I guess 24 hours from now as we speak. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to talking about it afterwards as well. Should be fun. Yeah, for sure. We want to thank all our guests that came on uh, this part two episode with Nathan Grubel and, and Drake, you, and of course our, our, our close friend, Eric Hasselton. Um, it's draft night. You guys enjoy it. Um, we'll have uh, obviously plenty to talk about in the next episode. Uh, we'll take a week off. Uh, from doing all this and uh, Ben should be back on a normal normal sleep schedule at that point closer to normal um, real quick uh, head over to if, I'm sure you already saw it on Grizzly Bear Blues but make sure you check out my uh, my betting guide for the draft tonight make a little extra coin while you're watching the draft makes a little makes it a little interesting when the Grizzlies aren't picking that's right go check it out Ben is your your official betting guru of Grizzly Bear Blues and uh, the 3D podcast or follow the, at your own peril. <laughs> yeah, at your own peril. The 3 and D podcast will be your official fantasy and uh, betting podcast of, of Grizzly Bear Blues as well, led by Ben himself. Um, so check that out. Enjoy it tonight. Hopefully the Grizzlies um, do some more exciting stuff. Give us plenty to talk about. I'm sure they will. Uh, again, thanks to all our guests, and we will catch you guys in a few weeks.